Yo, what is up, party crashers, trailblazers, and level setters? This is Jerry Jones. I am the host of Level Set, a conversation with people who know things. And yes, if you're thinking, Jerry, did you just forget the name of your own podcast? Kind of did. Because I'm like, wait, I have this I have this podcast. I also have another podcast with my best friend and brother, uh, Date M, called Trailblazing. Some of you may have heard that. And... There's the Legacy Podcast, Uninvited, right? So don't be surprised if you see an episode of Uninvited drop here in the near future. But in this conversation uh, on Level Set, man, I'm telling you, this is one you're going to enjoy so much. I'm talking with social media trend spotter and my favorite cousin, Emily Brake. Um, we are getting into all sorts of things. We are talking about the legacy of the chicks and cancel culture. We are talking um, beauty diversity and the threat that beauty diversity is currently under um, via you know social media and in other um, fashion trends, which some of you may find disturbing. I would be among them as well, as well as just all of the things that TikTok is used for, things that I just had no clue at all. If, if you've got Listen, if you um, you know came of age in the '90s, you're gonna want to hear this conversation. Or '90s, early 2000s. Okay, uh, if you've got a child on TikTok, you're gonna want to listen to this, um, or just yourself. It, it's it's just fascinating. She's a fascinating human being. Super excited for you all to hear uh, this conversation of level set, and. Uh, we're going to be back with a new episode probably on Friday and um, yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna keep it we're just gonna keep the conversations rolling I will say this thank you for listening to the show and as always please rate review subscribe and share please this podcast we're trying to grow the audience I feel like these conversations especially this one is one that people are going to want to hear and uh, again, thank you for your support. And we're going to catch you on the flip side of this conversation with Emily Brake on Level Set. Emily Brake, what's going on? Hello, Jerry Jones. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. you know, so, so. People are going to start thinking like, hey, like, so on Level Set, do you only have conversations with people from Austin, Texas? Uh -huh. And yeah. do you also only have conversations with um, people from Austin, Texas who are also married to each other? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> they become kinda, a team. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just doing Austin couples. It's kind of like house hunters, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. You ever... When when you and Sean were looking for a place to live, like, did you ever have any like house hunter type experiences? Like, mm. Mm. good question. I mean, there are some quirky things around here. I, I'm trying to think if anything stands out in particular. I mean, as we've lived in Austin, when I first moved here, um, I lived like a mile from downtown. Which, um, and I moved into an apartment with two friends and none of us had jobs and we had no money. 
And now that same apartment probably goes for, I don't know, close to $3,000 a month, I'd say. So (laughs) we've continued to move farther. We're not technically in the suburbs yet, but we, each time we've moved has been a little bit farther away from downtown. How have you seen, how much has it changed since you first were there? So much. And there's a stereotype. There's a stereotype of Austinites that it's like, Everybody here complains about the people that came like just after them. Right. And for a long time, I didn't participate in that. But I mean, I moved here in right after college. So 2009. And I mean, sometimes Sean and I have the conversation of like, if we were looking for a place to live now, would we choose Austin? It's more like, would we be able to choose Austin? So mm. yeah. um, it's changing a lot. I haven't decided how I feel about it yet. Um, Elon's here. So that, that's what I hear. Yep. Um, and then a lot of, I mean, it's just like basically baby Silicon Valley now. So culturally it's changed a lot. So, yeah, I mean, so I, I I'm assuming it's because of kind of like policy, like, tax policy and whatnot. Is Austin still cool? Mm -hmm. Still cool. Yes. Different way. Yes. Mm. Um, It's not as like dirty and weird as it used to be. Yeah. Which I originally liked. I liked that when I first moved here, I remember like noticing that you could wear literally anything you wanted wherever you went. Whereas the other cities I had lived in before, it was very much like these unsaid things of like, oh, you're going to, you're going out in downtown or uptown or wherever in the city. And there were certain things that you knew like, oh, I should wear this or I should have this kind of outfit on. And here it was like anything goes, which is still true, but to a different degree because there's a lot more wealth right now. So, Well, and just, yeah. I mean, I feel like that when Elon comes to town, it's kind of like, you know, so I, because I am kind of maybe super neoliberal, like I get all my, my television news from MSNBC and I get all of my printed news from either the New York Times or the Washington Post. I mean, I'm that mm-hmm. yeah. person. So if I'm always watching NBC News, so whenever like they cut live to Richard Engel, Mm-hmm. Uh, or back in the day, like if it were CNN, it would have been um, Christine on a poor. Like if they show up in your town, shit's hitting the fan, probably, <laughs> right? And I feel like when Elon shows up, um, it might feel cool for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And then you realize like everything that comes with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And everyone that comes with him, yeah. and I, I, my concern is that he is going to be like the cool vacuum. He's going to be like a Dyson, like really oh, yeah. at, at sucking all of the coolness yeah. out of out of that town. I think it's already happening. I mean, Oracle moved their headquarters here, so another huge tech campus. Mm-hmm. So Oracle's main headquarters. 
Um, the Giga Factory is opening up with Elon and they've already started hiring and are doing things. And then we've always had some offices with um, Meta, Facebook mm -hmm. yeah. and um, Apple and, um, you know, Dell is headquartered here and stuff. But it's a different they're starting to be a different feel for sure. Um, yeah. Tech bro. Yeah. Tech bro's out and about. So I, I think the first time I was exposed to Twitter would have been like, I think I'd signed up early, but then there were like all these posts from like South by Southwest. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh. but and it was all like, I mean, I feel like it was the beginning of like, it was not the early adopter stage, but it was the kind of the stage where people like me get in. And so I am like tweeting about, I think I'm going to have a burrito for lunch today. Like <laughs> just mm -hmm. really weird things and like social media. But I feel like Austin has like this unique place. Well, there and, and I would say um, events like Coachella and Burning Man like mm -hmm. seem to be amplifiers of, of, of social media and Twitter. But um, I bring it up because I, I, I feel one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, Emily, is like whenever I see you post on Instagram, like you post the best stories, like whenever you go someplace, I feel like, I think you've actually, I feel like you understand the assignment, ah. like for like Instagram stories, like my stories are so random. Like, Oh, I, you know, I had, you know, shrimp and grits, Ooh, mm -hmm. big story. but like, you're actually tell a story. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like mm -hmm. I can see what the weekend was like in um, Minnesota or um, Colorado, which I do want to talk to you about. Yes. I want to talk to you about your your Colorado <laughs> um, experience. Uh, in fact, I I almost exclusively now associate the Dixie Chicks with you. Like I feel like you would be the <laughs> Dixie Chick. That's a compliment. I mean, I think Natalie like, was uh, my original hero growing up. So, what is it about? We'll come. I'll come back to the social media stuff. What is it yeah. about? What is the Dixie Chicks? What are they meant for you? Hmm. Well, I was trying to think about when I started listening to them and it must have been like, I mean, when they first came out in the nineties, I guess, 90, yeah. my guess is like 98. Yeah. That'd be right. So I was in, I was in middle school probably. Jeez, I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, when we get back to social media, I'll tell you how old I am. <laughs> how old I feel. I'm 35. I feel ancient. Um, so yeah, listening to the Dixie Chicks in middle school. I mean, my parents always listened to country music. So I don't know, I must've like caught on to it on country radio, um, but there was something different about them. And I think I always like, even before they were canceled, which I want to go on the record saying like, mm -hmm. they were the first truly canceled artist or anybody. Yeah, let's talk, I mean, yes, like, until you just said that, and I hadn't even considered the fact that they were the beginning. They were the yeah. first to truly be, and yeah. that was pre, that was pre Facebook, mm -hmm. Twitter, all of that, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was just, I mean, country music just completely abandoned them, and not even abandoned, but like anti. Like I remember people being like, "Oh, you listen to the Dixie Chicks still." Um, after that incident, which now when we think about politics and 
everything in our world. It's insane to think that it was like the comment that Natalie made was so benign. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I think I really like always admired them being strong women. Mm -hmm. And that was before I had any Texas connection, which is funny to think mm. about now. Yeah. Um, I really, their, their music is so empowering and that came through, you know, even in the, even in the nineties before they were really unapologetic about where they stood mm -hmm. or we should, or I should say we knew where they stood on things. So, yeah. um, yeah, combination of like, I mean, feminism and being brave and, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, their whole careers are just like a shining example of like not caring and standing up to the system. So, so it's for a while, but I'm, yeah, I mean, so they are kind of, when you think, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a country music mm -hmm. aficionado. Yes. Um, hey, sweetie. Uh, yeah, you could. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so she, she sticks her phone in with the message, can I oh. take this super? Take this <laughs> That's a good way to do it. I, or, I, I feel it. like. Every time she wants to talk to me about asking just a very simple question, I'm always like recording or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they, I think, you know, the, the images that I had of country growing up, like I was exposed to like people like Johnny Cash, mm -hmm. Merle Haggard, mm -hmm. um, like Loretta Lynn, yeah. um, um, Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. um, but even like, um, and then later, like troublesome, but Hank Williams Jr. Mm -hmm. But country and Willie, obviously, yep. but like country seemed to be like an outlaw. At least the, it seemed like kind of people that bucked the trend. Yep. And and the Dixie Chicks by doing what you know, and I I don't even want to say doing what they did. They just spoke their minds, spoke mm -hmm. their truth. And got canceled like they actually became the embodiment because i feel like at that time it felt like new country i don't know didn't seem like the country that i had the limited yeah. country i'd been exposed to but they in that moment became like outlaws mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah and i think they paved the way i think it's coming full circle in a way because now mm. There are some country artists that like, I mean, there's still the problematic part of country music. Well, there's a lot of problematic things, but, but you're right that the roots of it started in, um, yeah, this outlaw bucking the trend, not a part of the system. Um, and then it got manipulated over time into that meaning something else. Um, and now now there are artists like Maren Morris mm -hmm. and Margot Price and some of these other women in country, technically in country who are standing up against the system and saying, I don't care if you don't play me on country radio, I have my fans and we will be our own piece of country music. I don't want to be a part of this. Um, so I think they paved the way. So it's, is there, is there a part of that rebel streak that the Dixie chicks have that, that is kind of 
do you feel like there are parts of your life where you embody that <laughs> kind of rebel streak? This is like a therapy question, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, except Venmo and, and Cash App, uh, <laughs> PayPal, yeah, all, all uh, the things. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think growing up, definitely there were things that I was like called to. I don't know, speak my mind and stand up to and for. Um, and I think that I would hope that that theme has continued. I think it has died down a bit in my older age. I'm not apologetic, but I think that I have seen some of the ways that um, there are consequences for that too. So it's more like picking mm. your battles type of thing. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I would like to, you know, on the, on the therapy self-reflection side, I'd like to get back to being maybe more of a rebel sometimes. But um, yeah, I think that definitely spoke to me as a kid. Um, at that time we had moved from you know, the Kansas City area to South Dakota. So I had a lot of practice right off the bat going to a red state that I wasn't from and I had different ideas and people knew it. And yeah, so that was, I think I just kind of held on to that as part of my identity. Probably. What was that like? Like making, I mean, cause that's a, that's a big transition from, mm -hmm. from Kansas City to South Dakota. Like, um, did you ever find yourself, did you ever, you ever get in a fist fight? I know this is a random question. You ever get in a fist fight in school? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't um, <laughs> out myself. Um, I definitely got in verbal tips with people. I was on the debate team and student council. People, I mean, I like was an activist in a not very like safe place for activism, I would say. But fist fight. Only uh, on the powder puff football field, I broke my finger um, and I broke a girl's glasses. So, no, I didn't see that coming. Wait, so you're playing what? What? Okay, what? How old were you? When? When? When was this happening? This was senior year of high school. So homecoming week, they allow the girls to play football one week. Mm -hmm. And I was on the team and there was a, I was playing defense. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was this girl on the juniors team that was just way bigger than me. And I didn't like that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I um, broke my left finger. So, Ooh. yeah. So you ran off the field, it was crooked, and the trainer put it back in place and then said, go to the emergency room. So anyway, that's that story. So, but you, <laughs> you broke your finger because because it sounds like your finger met her face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Were you penalized? Were you penalized for this? Well, uh, since activity? thankfully, since I was a senior, everybody was like, Whoa, yes. They were so excited that uh I don't know. In the spirit of homecoming, there were a few of her friends that I think were mad, but going back to high school drama, but I proudly wore my like cast thing to the homecoming dance that week. And like everybody knew what had happened. So. Wow. <laughs> Emily I didn't get in trouble. Wow. That's I know I, I did not. Did, did, and so and your parents knew the story as to how you got your finger broken. <laughs> they were at the game. They had to take me to the ER. 
was Denise mortified? Was she just like, I can't believe you did that? Good question. We'll have to ask her of what her reaction was to that. I think I was probably in shock and I was more upset of like, I better still get to go to the dance and do all the things. So, um, yeah, good question. I think my parents have supported my rebellion overall. And I think that was the only like violent thing I did. <laughs> I, so, I mean, I, I mean, that is a good point. Like, the idea of 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 having parents that kind of can that will find a way to support like healthy you know anti-authoritism mm -hmm. authoritarianism oh yeah I, and, and i do wonder if that is an art that's being lost mm. i wonder you know i keep wondering did, have i done a good enough job ah. of that um because I, I i i'm just i don't know like I think about like the Parkland kids, like mm -hmm. I know this is totally like random departure and think about like what their activism and organizing has done. Um, I mean, to the point where we got something passed at the congressional level yeah. or you know, common sense gun reform. Mm -hmm. And I just, I do wonder about, you know, what kind of like, what is the future of activism yeah. for, for young people? And, and are we, are we holding space? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, cause this is part of what I wanted to talk to you about. Like, and I think I was thinking more, I was thinking more like what does social media do for trends and memes and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But I, I am wondering does social media even hold space for, I don't know, the real work that needs to be done. Like, Ooh. I feel like it's things are changing like <sighs> so rapidly underneath our feet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Where do we start with this? So I'll start with my own. So I appreciate your social media compliment about my storytelling. <laughs> I do take that as a compliment. I have a love-hate relationship with social media, like I'm sure many people do, mm -hmm. where I um, utilize it to feel connected I like, I really value being up on the news and mm -hmm. events and pop culture. And so opting out completely does not feel like an option for me, yeah. but there are periods of time where I will purposely try to remove myself for like just mental health and like a break from all of that. Um, so that's like my first, where I'm at with, social media in general but as far as the space that it has and especially with younger people i mean i cannot speak for them of course but i think about the consequences of well two things the consequences of certain things about social media and then also like on the other hand the lack of impact so for example like you can post something you can retweet retweet something you can follow certain people that yeah. you know are activists and with an intent to learn and educate yourself, but really, yeah, what is the impact there? But it can feel like you are doing something. Right. Yeah. Um, and then on the other end of that, like I mentioned with the consequences, like, I mean, you can do a lot without thinking about it very quickly. And, you know, there, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just think about like when I was that age, 
I had other tools that I used for my activism. And also I'm now grateful looking back that there wasn't social media that I was distracted by and or documenting every single part of my undeveloped brain. Oh my gosh. If I, oh, if I were in my late teens, early twenties with Twitter and admittedly, I don't know how to use TikTok. I don't have TikTok. I don't have Snapchat. That's so... I, I, I've gone to Instagram and that is as far as I know where to go and everything else feels like the great beyond. Like, I feel like I would be, if we, if, if social media were a Disney movie, I would be one of those elders. It'd be like, don't go beyond Instagram. There's, you know, yeah. (laughs) And the whole movie would be about them. People logging on the getting Snapchat. uh, Let's see. Oh, so here's my TikTok experience. I was very anti and was like, kind of like, okay, I'm too old for this. Let them have it. It's no big deal. Like, I don't need to be a part of this. Um, And then starting to read about it and see that that is how young people are getting news. And like, I read that the majority of Gen Z found out about the queen passing away on TikTok is the first place they saw it. Oh, wow. Um, Also, I read that... um, Gen Z, of course, I don't remember my source now, but that that's also what they use for a search engine. So instead of like Googling something, they will go to TikTok and type in what they're looking for and then can find content based on that. So it is very relevant. Uh, And I think it's also scary because the, the first time I downloaded it, I was like, and my brain is rotten. Is it, is it, how easy is it to go down a rabbit hole on TikTok? All it is, is a rabbit hole. You are instantly in it. And the nuance in which it, the algorithm works to like pinpoint things is terrifying. And I should probably read more about what it is or how they figured out because it's more than just the like, oh, I was talking to my friend about whatever. And then I saw an ad on Instagram. It's like... It's unsettling. I mean, it sounds to me like they can tell like how long you look at a mm-hmm. image or something, and yep. then based on that, like they kind of know what your eyeballs are doing. Yeah. So my Instagram reels are pretty much now all seafood cooking videos. <laughs> yeah. And so it's almost annoying because I'm like. I don't even cook seafood that much. Like I love to eat seafood and I, you know, like my extent of cooking with seafood is like basically shrimp but not even fresh shrimp. It's like the shrimp you get from Costco. Right. And I'm like, but I just love, I love the videos. Yeah. And so now that is all I get. I get that and I get um, sports center highlights and adventure people doing crazy stuff like riding bikes on top of big, hills and they're you know the you know whatever gopro and i'm like they must think that i am this avid adventure sports adventurous slash like cajun seafood <laughs> loving yes and i'm like that is not that is not me at all but i am i am like like you saying that young people or, or people are going i didn't know that tiktok was a search engine but like it does make me wonder then what is the future of 
the transfer of knowledge and information in this new era of social media because like if if they're only getting content that's created for TikTok mm -hmm. and you know, I, I'm assuming that the New York Times and that the MSNB, MSNBC probably have TikTok presence, but they probably don't, even with their sophistication, probably don't have the reach to, yeah. you know, any, I don't think that they're able to reach effectively those who would use TikTok as a search engine. Right. So what happens, okay. like, I, I'm, I'm just concerned about what then happens with what is the future of like news and information and and how do we it's like i'm cut off from that mm -hmm. part of our society so i have no idea what they're thinking or saying or <laughs> I, yeah i don't i don't know i don't know i i my like news consumption is npr mm -hmm. all day every day which i've had to put some limits on too. Um, and then Twitter, you know, I, I find myself on Twitter for news more than, you know, I don't see, I don't see things on TikTok, but again, I'm an, an elder user that's not really on there all the time, but I don't, I don't know what will happen because the misinformation, I think, I think in my circle, we've talked about the misinformation, but mm -hmm. in a way of like, oh, the misinformation of Trump mm -hmm. folks. But it TikTok, I think, allows it, and I don't know the ramifications of it in terms of like activism or news or anything like that. But I think this is embarrassing. Here you go. <laughs> Friends, a friend sends me a TikTok. We've been like on this mission to um, figure out the perfect way to do our nails. So I have quit going to this, I haven't gone back to the nail salon since COVID. I'm like, this is expensive and it's a waste of time. So how am I going to do my nails myself? So there's a, a some different options out there. Friend sends me a TikTok video of this like hack where you can buy these fake nails and then get your own thing for the UV device, whatever. Anyway, so we're like, cool, that seems great. Didn't act on it, but totally could have because the Amazon links were right in there. Yeah. And then two days later, she texts me back with another... Um, TikTok link and it's like, don't do it. That's actually really bad for your nails. Like that will totally mess up your nail bed forever if you use that UV light on this thing. And so it's uh. like really dumb example, but just the misinformation of like, and, and you've probably heard of other TikTok trends that are like actually very dangerous and problematic, but that's like a very minimal example. I, what is, the, is there, are there, are there TikTok trends that that you've heard of recently that could potentially be problematic or need some sort of a maybe us old folk might want to be paying attention to x y well, and z i doubt my algorithm gives me the next up and coming thing for <laughs> friends that way but um one thing that i have noticed and is related to fashion and New York Fashion Week mm -hmm. and friends. Um, there are people in the um, body neutrality world mm -hmm. of things that are concerned that like the 
rail thin look of bodies of the 90s is going to be coming back. And mm. that came through on the runways. Mm -hmm. uh, Kardashians lately have some, there is speculation that there's some difference in their bodies in the way that they manipulate their bodies now. And so people are concerned that, you know, what we saw in the 90s, 2000s of like, very, very, very thin in an unhealthy way is going to be the new body trend rather than the big butts. So, what? <laughs> That's okay. That is kind of frightening and mm -hmm. not, it's not fair to her, but I think it's just because it, it seemed to be that she was the kind of the face of that era, like Kate Moss yeah. to me, was kind of like the face of that. Mm -hmm. It would be really interesting to hear from her, like what her thoughts. I mean, maybe she's got a memoir or something that I need to, to find. But it would be interesting to hear from those who were working during that era. On yeah, because I mean, because what that would then mean for not just fashion, but then like society. In general, mm -hmm. like we're just, I feel like we're just getting to the place where people of all sorts are like being comfortable, even as a guy, like, oh yeah, you know, I, I don't need to look like, you know, Mr. 12 pack or whatever, mm -hmm. but like people are just getting comfortable with their bodies. And now are yeah. we reverting back to, no, yeah. actually you should not be comfortable with your body. Right. So that's the I that's the idea of the, you know, the pendulum swings with trends and unfortunately bodies are part of that. Body the way bodies look and what we value in society and it had gone to I mean not that it was by all means like solved, but there was more body diversity mm -hmm. um, in types of bodies and race and in gender that had been at the forefront of ads. And I mean, it still is, I'm not mm -hmm. meaning to talk in past tense, but people who study trends are concerned with kind of some of the flags that we're seeing right now um, and are afraid that the pendulum might be going the other way. And I mean, one of the things with that is like, the literal trends of the nineties and early two thousands are back of fashion of like the low rise jeans, mm -hmm. the very like form fitting dresses for women. Um, just 90s fashion in general is back. So people are worried that the body types will also come with them. It's just so fascinating. Like when you 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 mentioned, and I for, I cannot believe as someone who works in this space from a, like I've never actually heard the term body diversity before. Oh. Yeah, which like, so you are now putting me up and everyone else up on game. Like <laughs> I didn't even know that was, I didn't know that was a, a thing but yeah. like and so i guess to tease it out like i guess over the last it feels like several years in that regard then there there, there appears to be more it's more inclusive mm -hmm. um and it sounds like we could be heading back to being more exclusive beauty exclusivity like who gets to be beautiful and who mm. does not like how any well not not going to ask you advice on what but how 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 do we combat against the, the the pendulum swinging back to where 
all of those who have been included now in what this thing and in an expanded um, understanding of beauty. How do we, how do we not go backwards? Yeah. In that regard. I mean, I think that's the ever present question of like just trends and society in general, not to get mm -hmm. too out there, but I mean, I think, I think that's where we're at in like a, you know, late stage capitalism, everything's falling apart. Like where, what is the future now? Right. We keep looking to the past and things feel unstable now. I'm I'm speaking in bigger terms, of course, not just fashion and, mm -hmm. and representation. But I mean, I think I, I see little little glimmers of hope with like some of the trends. I say trends in a less literal way, but there are, you know, compelling things with sustainability and like um I guess I would just mostly put it in the sustainability category of like people and corporations being mindful of, um, you know, less waste, reusing things, um, vintage, secondhand, all of that is coming back in a way. Um, I worry that it's, that sustainability is not sustainable in terms of trends. Like I worry that it's just like another thing. And when you right. have that also with Amazon, at the same mm. time, it's like, I don't know if that truly is progress. Um, I didn't answer your question. I got on a tangent there, but I don't, I don't know. I think that's the problem. With could, I mean, I, I have a, I'm, so I'm, okay. So I've been struggling with Amazon mm -hmm. for, I should, no, I shouldn't say I've been struggling with it because it's been in in the back of my mind for probably seven or eight years, but like I I love being able to point and click on things, yeah, and and get them the same day, yep, or within twenty four hours. Mm -hmm. But then it's like you can't unknow things once you know them, yeah, right. And knowing that there are people working in warehouses all over the country who are working in conditions that I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like it's a sweatshop environment, mm -hmm. but it's that with, with air conditioning, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I'm like, how are there ways for, I mean, are we seeing any trends where, where people can begin to, to buy on the internet because I don't feel like we can put the genie back in the bottle. I feel like we're going to be buying things off the web, the internet for mm -hmm. forever. But I'm just like, how do we do it in, in a way that is sustainable? Because I don't know if we can just keep working people the way that we're working them. And it, 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 I don't know. I can't, I can't square that circle for me. I know. Tough question. I mean, I struggle with the same thing of, I mean, I kind of like how I feel about social media. I don't think opting out is really the solution or does anything. And I think maybe the conversation needs to go back to just doing all we can to hold corporations more accountable. And that's kind of where I'm at personally with like the climate change aspect of things. It's like, mm -hmm. I have spent so many, well, years now with anxiety about it that just continues to increase and try to do my part and be sure that I'm recycling and composting and doing the things. And it's like, that's, 
that's not what's going to make the difference here in by the time we need to. So, mm. I mean, I'm saying that without having a solution about what I do to hold corporations accountable because I use Amazon too. So I, <laughs> we're stuck. We're stuck. So, from from your perspective, um, how close are we to the the environmental tipping point that to where we can't we can't fix this? Mm. How dangerously close are we to that? I mean, I'm not the one to talk to about that because I have existential dread. <laughs> I, I mean, I. What is that? Where, where does that dread? Where does that? Where does that dread come from? Hmm. Um. This is another. <laughs> this is another therapy question, JJ. Um. So I think what I've seen, and this goes back to my story of like being an an a person in like in advocacy and like I saw myself in social justice and doing the good work and all of that. And then I kind of like pulled the brakes. And I think a lot of that came with two things in the last couple of years. One, the signs and science and news that we are to the point of like, we are so close to no return. I don't know what, you know, articles say different things about what that looks like, but environmentally, like we're essentially there. And then the other piece is like the collapse of democracy as we know it. So I mm. used to be like a big optimist and I have really been struggling the last few years about how how we do make a difference and, and hold on to hope. But um Maybe it's the the rock bottom where we need to be to fully see change. And I think I do think that's where we are at. I think we're at a place in society where things are falling apart so much that like something's going to change and it's happening. I yeah, I think you're right. I feel like there's a there's some connective tissue between the and I, I do believe and I'm I, I have to admit and I I I was very slow. I'm one of those people that had been like. I know the environment's a problem, but can we fix uh, racism mm -hmm. and sexism mm -hmm. first? Um, and what I am beginning to see is that there is some intersectionality between what is happening with, you know, our climate, racism, sexism, mm -hmm. um, classism, and the um, the demise of democracy because a lot of the key actors for all of those things are they're not all the same but they're they're all kind of yeah. in the same sphere and so like when they all get together at like at the what is it the world economic forum or whatever like or yeah. davos like they they get together at davos and it's like all these people and elon and all, and all these multi-billionaires and they're like, well, how do we how do we fix this? And I'm like, pay taxes? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> like play by the rules and then we'll be good. Um, yeah. I mean, I, a lot could be fixed, I think, if I, I, I'm just for me, I'm just very skeptical, like um, like when when Jeff Bezos gave Van Jones like a hundred million dollars and mm -hmm. said, "Hey, 
hey, Van, here's $100 million. Go and do some good work with it. I'm like, $100 million is probably, what, 5% of what he should be paying? If that. (laughs) I'm bad at math. But if you're worth, I don't know how many billions, 50 billion, 60 billion, I feel like that a hundred million dollars really isn't anything like pay taxes, man. Yeah. And that's a lot of it is, uh, I mean, not to bring it back to Austin and Elon, but I mean, (laughs) you know, there are things that, you know, you could look at on paper of that. It's not all evil and it's bringing jobs and, and I don't know, that's the major, major Mm -hmm. thing that we'll talk about. Um, But it doesn't look at, for example, the Gigafactory is being built in the part of town that used to be um, like pretty low income. And well, it's yeah. outside of town, but it's where people have been pushed. So as ah. it has been gentrified, it was a rural area and now it's low income folks who have moved out of the city. So um, food desert, like low mm. transportation, lack of access to health care and all of those things that we know about. So built the gigafactory out there and um, have yet to see how, I mean, I'm sure that there will be infrastructure that is put out there as well. But in the meantime, also the houses out there have like, I mean, I don't want to put numbers on it because I don't know, but I would assume at least doubled, if not tripled in price. So people continue to be pushed out. Those aren't the folks getting the jobs there. And so like that goes back to the intersectionality of like, here comes Tesla not paying taxes. Right. And pushing people out further. So. Yeah. It's like, and it's just really interesting. So on one hand, you've got Elon who is committed to, well, he's committed to profit. Yes. And profiting off of, um, like he's selling a great vision of like, hey, we can reduce our carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, I will dominate, you know, the world by selling all the all the cars, batteries in the world. Mm-hmm. So as California is like by I mean Governor Newsom just signed a bill, like a forty-four billion dollar um, you know, kind of climate change bill. And mm-hmm. they're gonna ban by twenty forty. Yes, I think will be yeah, and I'm like, that's cool. Um, not a whole lot of people I know can afford a Tesla. Right. Right now. Yeah. Um, and people who would want, but can't also can't afford a place to live. But like, yeah, you're doing great by the environment, but you're also, um, you know, perpetuating structural inequity by pushing people out. Like, I just, I do wonder, Emily, like at what point... I feel like people can only be pushed so far away before until they just, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I am housing to me is, is the, I feel like the, the health issue Yes. of, of this generation, because yeah. if we don't have housing, then everything seems to fall apart mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. I mean, Sean and I are, incredibly privileged and both have great jobs in Austin and 
don't own our house and talk about if we are if we're going to be priced out of Austin. And that's <laughs> to educated employed people of privilege. Like what? Yeah. So You know, you wouldn't be priced out of Kansas City. <laughs> no. <Yeah. dude>. <laughs> <laughs> how how often do you hear that? Uh <laughs> Well, if there's a short list, Kansas City could be on it. So So Austin um, is losing some of its cool and some of its weird. Mm -hmm. Like when you like, so I know that Portland is weird and, and then, and then people in Portland would say probably very similar things Mm -hmm. to what you're saying about Austin. Is there a place in the United States that you see is like, this could be the new Austin, like, like a place that's cool and also not completely unaffordable. My non-answer goes back to social media again, because yeah. like when I moved to Austin, it truly was one of, I shouldn't say one of the only places, but you know, on a short list of places that had like amazing food, cool mm-hmm. coffee shops, like something unique about it with the music scene and South by and ACL and, you know, UT and like very strong culturally, I would say. And I think, you know, in the last 10 years, you know, there's a lot of cities of medium size that could say the same thing that are starting to have better food, Mm -hmm. cool places to go. And I think that that's because of the democracy that the internet provides. I mean, now Mm -hmm. that people know what trends are, know what's cool, know what people want to do and spend money on, you can recreate that in places that it didn't exist before. Oh, I, I, so there's a, there's a part of me that feels like I missed the Austin opportunity. (laughs) Uh, Like it would have been so great to have been there like in the late nineties. Oh yeah. um, Early two thousands. And part of what I, Part of what I miss is that being able to just wake up on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Tuesday and go get breakfast tacos. That's not a thing here ah. in Kansas City. Breakfast tacos just isn't a thing. Um, I think I'd ask John this. Like, if do you have, is there a part of town in Austin? Because I, I mean, are there different parts of town that might boast like that they have the best? tacos or breakfast tacos <laughs> is it is it as bad as as the fights that get started over who has the best barbecue oh no it's not as um it's it's not that hard it's not that competitive i would say there yeah. are definitely places that people know of and accept as like some of the best yeah. um and you know that kind of follows the barbecue thing of there are chains and then there are also like small hole in the wall or trucks that people talk about mm-hmm. um Originally, I shouldn't take it back to see. I'm being such a pessimist. The east side, the east side of Austin was traditionally um, the Mexican side of town, and so that is where there were like more authentic mm. um, places that you could go. But that has been fully, I mean, Whole Foods gentrified now. So like, Ooh. like to the max, like like high rises, Whole Foods, the whole bit. So. Um, that's a sad story in of itself, but I keep bringing uh, it back to these things, man. So, 
So, wow. So is that kind of the, is, is Whole Foods, not to pick on Whole Foods, <laughs> but I guess I'm going to pick on Whole Foods. Is yeah. that the sign that your neighborhood has been gentrified? Like completely, like, like, like there's no, it's reached a point of no return. Like there's nobody with any, in, any, mm. um, communal memory of what it was prior to good question i use whole foods i'm guilty of it we now live the place we live now is like whole foods is our go-to because it's the closest yeah but it's also headquartered in austin so people aren't as but it's owned by amazon what so what do you do (laughs) i mean i feel like i mean so talking about like the impact of social and and more of just the the internet um, Jeff Bezos has taken over the world. And so my whole, my issue as it relates to, I shouldn't say my issue. I have many issues. <laughs> One of the issues I do have with Amazon is I saw on 60 Minutes, it's probably five or six years ago, and they were testing out drone delivery, mm-hmm. right? And here we are in 2022, and still there is no taco drone delivery. Like, <laughs> why can't we get drones to, drop to deliver tacos? That's why Bezos and I are not getting along. Like, dude, all this technology, and you're not you still you're not you're not giving the people what they want. Yeah. We want tacos delivered by drone. Hmm. Well, there are still great tacos here. I'll say you that. Have, you okay? What's if if you were advising mm-hmm. someone coming into town, mm-hmm. and they're like, Emily, I need the best breakfast taco, and then I just need the best taco, mm. general taco. Where where are you sending them? They are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um. Breakfast taco, I would go with Veracruz. They have a couple locations, but we're originally like a food truck. And the one that I go to is a truck at a coffee shop down south here. Um, but they make, I'm like, mm, I'm like 90% sure they make their own tortillas and also make their own green sauce. So Veracruz. And then lunchtime tacos. Uh there's a lot more. I feel like I'm I'm less consistent with my lunch tacos. Yeah. Um. But when was the last time I even had lunch tacos? Cholito is a good one that used to be in my other neighborhood that I could walk to. Cholito, and I would just get an El Pastor with onion cilantro. That's it. Mm. Does Chewy's count? Does Chewy's count as mm. my? Chewy's counts when you're like, when it's like Friday and like you didn't make dinner plans or reservations and you're not going to cook and you're like, maybe I had a bad week and I need, I need some Mexican food. Then yes, Chewy's counts. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So Chewy's is like, Chewy's is like kind of like just all reliable. Yeah. It's kind of like ordering pizza. It's like, you got to just, this is what I'm craving. This is what's going to happen. Chewies will do. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Chewies will do. That's kind of like, is Pepsi okay? Oh, no. No, you, better than, better than, are would you, 
so are you a Coke person? Are you a Coke, Diet Coke person? Diet Coke. Uh, so if they don't have Coke products and they offer you a Diet Pepsi, do you do you turn Drink it down? Water. Drink water. Wow. It's Diet Coke or water. I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I will drink. I actually, I would, I will drink a Pepsi if mm. I have to, mm. if I have to, but the places that win my heart and they're usually not chains, but if they have RC Cola <laughs> on tap, that's how I know okay. that I have reached my place. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a Coke product person. Um, like I almost, the reasons why I don't go to Taco Bell, mm-hmm. well, for one, you know, I don't drink the way I used to. Right. And so I'm not up and, and I'm not up late like I used to. Right. So there's, so I, I don't know if there's anything more sad than the Taco Bell lunch. It's like 2.30. I've had meetings all day. Didn't have a chance to get away. And all there is is a Taco Bell. Yeah. And I'm doing the Nacho Bell Grande with uh, a large Sierra Mist. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not Sprite. Like, I can no. I can taste the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something about Pepsi products that just yep. don't hit Great. right. Doesn't do me. it. Well, it doesn't. Chewy's is better than Taco Bell. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what well, Chewy's? If you're Chewy's, if you're listening, I love in your jalapeno ranch. Okay? Oh yeah. Like, yes. I will go to Chewy's just to get yeah jalapeno ranch. But I would imagine that being. Because they're based out of Austin, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the flagship, I bet, is a different experience. Oh yeah, we yeah, you we can take you there. It's uh, that is a little piece of weird Austin still. Like the first mm-hmm. time you go in there, you're like, whoa, what? Where are we? Um, <laughs> they've got like crap all over the walls, and it like looks and feels pretty dirty. Like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't feel like the chain experience. So. So before we go, I do I do want to ask you, um, talking about trends in social media, mm-hmm. are there any hopes when you think about the impact of social media just on trends and on society at large, are there any hopes that you have or aspirations like when you think about the impact of what social media can do? Anything that you are like? <laughs> Man, if if we could ever do this with social media, I think we'd be better off. Mm, asking me to think on a positive note—that's yeah. Um, I mean, for all its faults, for all the faults of 2020, um, I do think that we saw the impact, the positive impacts that social media can have in terms of connection, um, whether it's real or not, whatever that may be, um, advocacy, people learning about issues. Like, I think that we saw a glimpse of like what social media can be used for. So, um, you know, through the hard parts of COVID there towards the beginning, and um, George Floyd and BLM and a lot of things about what certain companies or corporations were doing that were positive. Um, I think I think we saw a piece of it. 
And though it wasn't perfect, and though you could say about how it has fallen off to an extent, I think we saw a glimpse of it at that time that it really did unify um, people to feel inspired and connected. So I would hope that that can continue, or maybe it is in small or more local ways. I'm not sure. Um, But I think it can happen. Yeah. I think it can too. I I just realized I do have one more question because Mm -hmm. we, we, I think we started talking about the Dixie chicks and I guess um, since I've been asking you therapy questions, (laughs) um, you recently saw the Dixie chicks. I'm sorry, the chicks, they're no longer Dixie chicks. They're the chicks. Yeah. Speaking of uh, change and evolution. Yes. Um, At Red Rocks. So Mm -hmm. The first question is, what was that experience? Yeah. So Red Rocks was a bucket list item that I wasn't like actively like trying to check off. It was just one of those things like I have to do this in my lifetime. And I just assumed and knew that I would. So um, the chicks tickets came into my life with a friend in a book club who had moved to Colorado Um, and she had bought like six tickets and didn't know who she was going to take. She was just like, I'm going to buy these tickets. So I didn't know that she was a fan. I don't know if she knew I was a fan, but somehow it it got together that like, okay, we're going to have some book club folks going to Colorado for this show. So it all happened without me trying, which was the best part of it. Mm. Um, and I'll say it looks exactly like the pictures, except bigger. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I think that was the main thing I was surprised about was like the sheer magnitude of it. Like on a, I don't know. I just have seen so many pictures and I didn't know it would be so big. I don't know yeah. about it. Like, I don't know. I All was there. So many stairs. So many, so stairs. many stairs. Yeah. We tailgated ahead of time. Uh-huh which was awesome. Um, yeah. And then worked up a sweat walking up. <laughs> I, so part of why I'm, I'm curious, like, so you started your, your, your listening to them in middle school mm-hmm. and fast forward to your early to mid thirties and you're hearing them again, like what, I'm curious to know, like, what would Emily of today seeing the chicks, like, what would she have to say to middle school Emily who had first started listening to these, you know, Mm -hmm. these kind of accidental rebels in their space? Like, what would you say about your experience? Oh, my gosh. Um... I think I would say that it's as real as it ever was. I don't know what that means exactly, but that's what comes to mind of like the, the feelings and the reactions that I had of it just feeling so real and authentic. And in the moment was the same thing that I must have felt as a Mm. kid feeling something in their music and their lyrics and, and just who they are as women. So, you know, I think I felt and, knew that at that age and i felt and knew that as an adult of like this is the real deal 
you know, live music. I don't know mm -hmm. how to explain it. Like that yeah. feeling you get when you're like, this is right. And this is real. That feels really powerful. It's as real now as it was then. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling, Emily, that the Emily 15 years from now will be at a chick show somewhere. And I will probably be asking, okay, like the Emily of today, what would she have to say to the Emily of 2022? Yeah. I do feel just as 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 an observer like i meant it when i said like i could totally see you being in that band like you just seem like you kind of embody there's ah. this uh i feel like you're a rebel rebel rouser i i i you know yeah. from knocking you know your colleagues glasses off and breaking uh, your finger to just yeah yeah i yeah i i'm I'm excited for, you know, what, whatever it is you, you do with your, your rebel rousing. Mm -hmm. I feel like you are, I don't know, Emily, are you, I feel like you're, you're kind of just ready to just kind of. I think I'm ready for rebel rousing 2.0 or whatever iteration yeah. we're on. I've had kind of a lull with the, with, I mean, the last few years for everybody, I think yeah. certain things changed and they had to think about things differently and process things differently. And for me, it was really um, thinking, thinking more and processing more. And um, yeah, I'm ready for something. Don't know what it is though. I have to ask you, I can't not ask you this question before we go. Okay. How are you feeling about Beto? Beto 24. 22. Well, 22. I heard yesterday Abbott is five percentage points ahead of him in polling. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I am, I guess we would call it cautiously optimistic of, I think there's more of a chance than not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like painful to think about. Um, I think that it will, this is, this is a big bummer. This is a huge bummer. I've been just a, just a bunch of bummers. This yeah. Yeah. But the, um, the Dobbs decision in June, mm -hmm. as terrible and awful as that is, I think the piece of hope that can come from that is like an actual change. And yeah. there have been way more people who have registered to vote and have been out there, even in Texas, because of that decision. And so that's kind of what I meant about that feeling of like, maybe we're getting close to like bottoming yeah. out where things will get restructured of maybe this is the bad enough place that will mm -hmm. motivate people to truly get out and vote and people who wouldn't have before and maybe vote for somebody that they wouldn't have before. So yeah. I am hopeful that because of that, there will be more movement. Um, I I do know though that the migrant narrative that's being told mm -hmm. um, on the other side is a number one reason why people are supporting Abbott at this time. Yeah. 
which is troubling. Um, but as someone who lives in Texas, it's not as big of a, I don't want to say it's not a big deal. Um, it's not as scary as people think it is. This is not right. as big of a deal as, as people have used it for a fear tactic. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping that there are more things that happen that get maybe independent voters to say like, okay, Abbott's gone too far off the deep end. I am going for, at least for this time only to vote for Beto or vote for the Democrats. Um, yeah. I think that's, the only way that there will be change. I, I, I'm hoping that what we saw, because we saw a lot of that in Kansas. Yes. Lots of folks who don't typically vote yeah. in uh, primaries. Um, a lot of independent voters came yeah. out, which they normally don't come out mm -hmm. for in um, in primaries to, to vote in this. Uh, and I, I feel like it's getting very real. My, my sense is one of my, one of my best friends, just he and his wife just moved from New York city. Oh shoot. It's a town like maybe 40 minutes outside of Houston. I cannot remember the name of it. So they're coming in there. It's like culture shock for them. Right. Uh, okay. And, um, but her family is from, from Texas and, mm -hmm very conservative, mm -hmm. but it's so fascinating to hear the conversations that, that they have been having as a family that now that Dobbs, you know, the Dobbs decision, all of a sudden, all the rhetoric is being replaced by, um, you know, my, you know, Christine's, her, her nieces are 13 and are scared. And now mm -hmm. um, her brothers and sisters are now like, holy crap, like, our daughter can't get birth control. Our daughter, if something were to happen, yeah, um, she wouldn't be able to have access to an abortion. And so mm -hmm. now I think a lot of families who have voted based on rhetoric are now confronted with reality. Yes. Yep. And my hope is that Beto can begin to peel those voters off. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I hope so too. And I mean, with... You know, there are, there's a lot of unfortunate news that becomes um, national news out of Texas, whether that's um, reproductive rights, mm -hmm. lack thereof, gun control, lack yeah. thereof, um, the shenanigans that Abbott pulls, all of those things. But, oh, trans rights. But all of those things are impacting people on a personal level now. And so people are going to have to make a decision of my kids are the ones going to these schools, right? My kids are the ones that are going to need to have access to birth control and healthcare. Like I think that as awful as it is when these things become real for people and they've been able mm -hmm. to be abstract for a long time, this That's is, right. this is where the difference is. So um, I hope that's the case. So can you all just fix it by voting in Beto and then, <laughs> and then after two years of awesomeness that maybe he just decides that he wants to be president, uh, as well. <laughs> that would be, that would be pretty great. Can the Republic of Texas just fix everything, please? <laughs> Imagine if... 
I mean, Texas, Texas is known as being the, uh, like I said, having the bad news coming out of it. But can you imagine if it was a powerhouse for like uh, stuff? Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. So I, I'm hoping that maybe all of these tech bros or whatever coming mm. in, maybe, I don't know. Hard to say. Hard maybe to say who the people are leaving California, but hopefully they're yeah. the ones that'll make the good change. <laughs> Oh, we can only hope. Yeah. Uh, keep hope alive. Yep. And we break. Um, this has been fun. I cannot wait for people to to hear this. This is gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be lots of fun. See, you know, you know all sorts of things. I guess all so. sorts of things. 